and welcome to the show. I'm PC, and this is Grant. Wait a minute. <laughs> You've incepted me. <laughs> I'm Grant, and this is PC. And you remember when I said I'd introduce you last? I lied. Yeah, and um, did you know Chuck Norris was once bitten by a snake? And after two agonising days, Bruce Lee finally let him out of his back pocket. <laughs> Take that, Chuck Norris. Do you know Chuck Norris's beard is stupid looking? <laughs> Do you know his hair would make him look like He-Man? <laughs> Have you seen the video cover for Invasion USA, which we were doing later? Yes. With his undone his shirt right to his belly button. Because <laughs> that's exactly what we needed to see. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're slightly adapting the format a wee bit this time. We are. There was change of foot. So, the first change is we're going to keep the opening question exactly the same. <laughs> so, the opening question is, what show lived longer than it should have? Because we're going to look at shows which perhaps didn't last as long as they deserved to. Yes. Um... Slightly controversial, I think, um, Stargate SG-1... Um, kind of went a little bit past its prime. You think they should have quit it when Dean Anderson quit? Yeah, I think when he quit or when he started getting fat, like proper fat, <laughs> that should have been, you know, like the kind of point where they were like, yeah, let's just. He had the same chef as William Peterson in CSI. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just, it's the shows to get to the point. It's the same with things like, um, not necessarily action, but Red Dwarf as well, where I think anything past. Season six, seven should just be disregarded. And as, as soon as um, Rob Grant left, yes, as soon as the decent half of the writing team <laughs> left. And I think if you read the Red Dwarf spin-off books, you really get an insight into who was the more talented one. Yeah. because Doug Naylor is so far up his own yeah. behind. If, yeah, if you want a good book, <laughs> read backwards. If you want a bad one, then The Last Human. It's just the the styles and contrasts are just opposite ends of the scale. It's pretty horrendous to me. You see who was the funny one and who was the one that had the perhaps more sci-fi ideas, but yeah. also needed someone to rein them in. <laughs> yeah, we just try and batter everything down with special effects and hope nobody notices. That's the way forward. It's the Michael Bay school of directing. I'll go with Star Trek. Because you've got the original series, which is great. You've got Next Generation, which became great after Riker grew the beard. Yep. And then you've got Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Which is great because they try something different. Mm. It takes a little bit to find its feet, but eventually it becomes... It rips off Babylon 5, but eventually becomes miles better than Babylon 5. And had its own unique voice. When they tried to do the same with Voyager, which is what... You mean Love Boat in Space? Yes. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Um, uh, Harry watch... Kim, when will you ever find love? <laughs> which is basically what the whole show was. Harry Kim just being like, I'm so lonely. Why Who's Tom... still in it? Who's Tom Paris trying to shag this week? Because <laughs> that's what it was. Just like... Oh, my friend, what are we going to... Oh, look at that, and off he goes. He was basically playing like a... Like basically just sharpening the, the thing out of it. it I'm going to tell you about something we had back on Earth. He-Man. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think the problem was they just didn't have enough balls to try something a bit different. Roald Moore was pitching a Battlestar Galactica-esque Star Trek Voyager. Yeah. 
he basically took that concept and just applied it to Battlestar Galactica. The way I see it is the way they did um, Stargate Universe mm-hmm. is kind of more the way they should have done um, Voyager, where it should have been you know a, a bit more of a tale of survival rather than a tale of oh no we're so far away from home oh look the holodeck you know and it's like it is basically being stranded but in luxury <laughs> so it's kind of like you're not really able to relate to the characters because you're kind of like well all you're doing is just taking like the five year mission but kind of extend it a bit longer I actually think Stargate Universe was probably cut down at the right point though because that probably just would have eventually turned into Voyager as well yeah I mean I'm kind of sad it was kind of getting that way because it did become very oh no we've run out of water this week yeah. let's find a water world oh no we've run out of oxygen this week yeah I mean, Robert Carlyle was I'm a bad guy I did a good thing but I'm a bad guy again Carlyle was great in that show that was that was probably oh, his, be himself yeah it was probably the, the, the peak of his um, of his acting prowess for the last few years not including I don't know if you've seen um, Once Upon a Time which is kind of hit and miss but he's quite good in it as well he still plays that kind of this film that he's directed even I like the look of there's a new Scottish indie film that he's directed alright awesome let's check that out we shall <laughs> I don't remember his name so yeah we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll give it later it'll be fine <laughs> so next we're going to go on to the fact which the, we're going to do this the same way we did the last episode but not the way we were doing it before so I'm going to give you a fact and four options and you're going to have to work out which one is true awesome the question is related to this week's film oh dear god of the 146 kills in Invasion USA, how many were actually killed by Matt Hunter or Chuck Norris? Ah. So is it 30? Is it 35? Or is it 75? Hmm. So the total number, 146. And it's either 30, 35, 75. You guess. Ciao. <laughs> Next up, we decided to change the Wheel of News, didn't we? We did. Now it's called the Daily Bugle. Of news. Of news. That's <laughs> the best thing ever. So I've got three oh, minutes it makes, to fire It makes me so happy. This one was written, written by Ben Urich. <laughs> you, you were baiting me with when you tagged me at this on Facebook, weren't you? Zack Snyder's son, Castus Robin. Yeah, I'd, at that point I'd finish smacking my head against the table <laughs> long enough to post you in this one. Oh. They, re- they really want people to hate this, don't they? It's like every time they, they kind of post something and folk are like, yes, and it's like, but look, and then slide something in that's just going to antagonise people even further. Just when I thought I was in, they pull me back. <laughs> Two days from retirement and this is what happens. He's used his son before in one of his films. Did you know that? No. His son was in um, Watchmen as the son, and that is too. <laughs> I think, I think this is dependent on context, if you ask me. Because if his son is just someone you see in a picture, fine, whatever. Yes. If however, the son is a character you then see get killed by the Joker, no, I'm not happy. Especially, it. <laughs> yeah, especially when it's an iconic scene like that, where even if it is just in context of a flashback that maybe lasts 30, 40 seconds, you want somebody with proper acting chops to do it because it 
it's the kind of thing as well that's going to make or break the film because it, this is going to be I'm assuming with the way that it's built is one of, going to be one of the, the points that Batman uses as his his anchor for going back you know for him kind of looking back at why he quit or why he stopped being Batman because of what happened to him you heard about the fan theory that um, the Joker is actually Jason Todd for God's sake <laughs> and that's um, Jared Leto was Robin and he was tortured and now he's kind of he has now turned himself into the Joker yeah I'm out <laughs> if that's anywhere near true I'm out on both films because that's that. just ridiculous Jared Leto is kind of pulling me out each time he makes a comment in public <laughs> be it putting a rat in Harley Quinn's trailer and things like that a dead rat <laughs> Yeah, as a present not really the kind of things you'd associate with the Joker on any level but you, you associate it with, a, with an actor who's a complete idiot <laughs> there is that aspect of it next bit of news Sharknado 3 yes <laughs> hit me with it there's a shark on the Lincoln Memorial <laughs> yeah I did um, I did like the, the caption from earlier which was um, that I found was what if all the Sharknado films are just Aquaman just <laughs> putting these powers out there to advertise to film producers like yeah oh, what part is Aquaman going to be oh no let's not go back to this <laughs> <laughs> sorry I was just baiting you further <laughs> baiting oh. but, yeah so on Sharknado 3 that's mm. what we're going to watch for next week <laughs> yeah happy at that you could watch Ghost Shark instead just because the kills are funnier I've not seen Sharknado 2 do you think I'll pick up the plot in Sharknado 3 <laughs> yeah. there's no Will Wheaton in Sharknado 3 is there oh, Ian Zering back yeah 90210 alumni Ian Zering <laughs> I think Love he's it. back eh? Tara Reid Tara Reid's back yeah I think, <laughs> I think I've seen a promotional picture for it as well but I'll not spoil it so from a film we are looking forward to to, to one that we are looking forward to for slightly different reasons the Spectre trailer yes um, I'm impressed yeah it, um, I, this is LA I know I keep saying it but from the, the Daniel Craig volume of films that he's done so far for, for Bond the only one that's kind of I've really enjoyed has been Casino Royale um, I know everybody goes on about um, Skyfall yeah, but I wasn't a massive fan. I thought it was all right. I thought it was quite dull in places. Um, I think I'm just getting really hard to please at my old age. I don't like the reveal that his, his name is actually James Bond. Yeah. He's the worst spy in history. <laughs> What's yeah, your name? Bond. James Bond. Oh, no, no wait. Um, William, fake name. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's very Archer-esque, isn't it? It's like... <laughs> it looks some good action in this film, though. Yeah. Well, it's the, I do like the choice of villain. Christoph Waltz. Yeah, I do love a bit of Christoph Waltz. He's a tremendous actor. So I, I do have I do have good hopes for that. And the fact that they're now starting to, to build into Spectre as well. So I'm kind of hoping they get a decent story. In. Do you think it will be Blofeld, as is rumoured? Yeah, I'd, I think it'd be a sensible move forward. Reveal that his hair is just a, a wig? It's, yes. Oh, cooling us back to Batman vs Superman again. <laughs> Because have you seen Jesse Heisenberg's wig in that trailer? <laughs> it's pulled me back to He-Man again. <laughs> Do you 
Gene Hackman's watching that going, yeah, Superman 4 wasn't that bad. Was <laughs> I'm not as ashamed as I once was. Yeah. Nuclear Man wasn't all that bad. <laughs> Let's move on before we go. He did the voice uh, for Nuclear Man. Uh-huh. Do you know that? No. <laughs> There's Gene Hackman. A man, of many, a man of many talents. It was more sort of, okay, you're, you've got half the film's budget, Hackman. <laughs> Pull your socks up and do a voice as well. Once you've swept that for you've got a voice over the game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe he's the one that's doing the catering for Richard Dean Anderson. <laughs> and what's his name? Dean Cain. Dean Cain now, yeah. <laughs> Whew. Speaking of shows that don't hold up, The yeah. New Adventures of Superman. <laughs> Horrendous. God bless Terry Hatcher, though. That got me through some tough times during puberty we're going to watch the pile of that as one of our episodes I'm warning you now and you're going to hate it just as much as I do you'll be like wait a minute did they not finish these special effects <laughs> this is the DVD release right yeah <laughs> it's just this, is this the PlayStation 1 edition <laughs> <laughs> yeah you see Superman fly next to Lara Croft yeah. trying to solve a puzzle which looks better <laughs> So we're going to go on to our topic, which is TV shows that were good, but people didn't like them enough for them to get enough ratings for them to not get cancelled in that. Because they put them in the wrong order at stupid times where people wouldn't be able to watch them, etc., etc., etc. We did work on that. <laughs> so I'd, I'd like to start us off Absolutely. and talk about a show that I've been watching non-stop recently, Hannibal. Yeah. yeah, and as I've not seen this, I shall let you... Give me some more information on that. Well, first of all, I'd like to start with the casting. Mads Mikkelsen from aforementioned Casino Royale. Casino Royale, yeah. Is Hannibal Lecter. And you know what he does? He underplays it. Thank God. <laughs> Take note, Hopkins, you hack. I hate Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, I do really like that about his character. Is it's very much about the relationship between him and Will Graham in the first season because he Will Graham is going to see him as a psychiatrist. Will Graham is played by Hugh Dancy. You've also got Lawrence Fishburne. Who, if you don't like Lawrence Fishburne, you don't deserve to live. Lawrence Fishburne is amazing. <laughs> I think the last thing I seen Lawrence Fishburne other than Man of Steel um, was the um... Predators. Oh, there was that. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. No, it the was fattest, uh, <laughs> the fattest cannibal ever. On a plan with everything, no humans on it. No, what was the what's the cop show again? It wasn't NCIS. It was um, uh, CI CSI CSI. Yeah. yeah, he took over there, but the catering budget just wasn't up to the task, so they got rid of him. <laughs> like, Whereas Hannibal, they're making all this food all the time because the whole thing about Hannibal is that he's always inviting people over for dinner and you've got these loving shots of this well prepared food and you can see Lawrence Fishburne in the background (laughs) (laughs) he took the blue pill it didn't end well (laughs) so Lawrence Fishburne is the kind of head of the FBI unit that brings Will Graham in as a consultant and they're using Hannibal Lecter as another consultant and Will Graham's seeing him on an unprepared on a non-professional capacity right. as he has he has Asperger's syndrome and can bring himself perfectly into a crime where he um, 
he puts himself in the shoes of the killer and he's killing the victims and you see that on screen All right, so, he, so he's kind of doing that to try and get a better yeah. understanding of what's happened or why somebody's committed that yeah. crime and eventually Hannibal starts to blur the lines with him because he's drugging him and making him think that he's the killer and one amazing scene by making him eat an ear when he's drugged him <laughs> so that he vomits this ear and they're like oh this is the ear of the murdered girl. Mason Verger's in season two. You know, the one that's played by Gary Oldman. Yeah. And, and he's played by Michael Pitt, who's in that really crap Gus Van Sant film about Kurt Cobain that nothing happens in. <laughs> he's amazing. He's got this huge hair, and Hannibal makes him eat his own nose. <laughs> because he's eating his own face and feeding it to Will's dogs. And, and then Hannibal suggests he eats his own nose, which he does. It's black humour. Yeah. Very, very black humour. It's, it's, it's It has got that kind of undercurrent that's always been there in Hannibal, is it, what is Hannibal's interest in Clarice Starling, but it's what is Hannibal's interest in Will Graham. Yeah. <laughs> So can they build up from he sees that? him as a protege. Some of the casting in this show is just insane. One of the lab techs is played by Scott McDonald from Kids in the Hall. <laughs> Eddie Izzard is one of the serial killers. Oh, nice. <laughs> and so is you know the guy from Lost, the one that's in Saving Private Ryan. Yes. You know what I mean? The yeah. really skinny guy. He's a southern serial killer in it. He's so good as well. I think what I like about it though is just the whole thing is like a fever dream mm. and if you've ever had a nightmare in your life it's not that it's a scary show and it's not trying to be a scary show it's trying to be an unsettling yeah, show and it unsettling. really really succeeds at that it's trying to make you uncomfortable and it's trying to make itself difficult to watch but also try and be compelling to watch at mm. the same time it's had terrible ratings and I think it's because it's very specific genre. Yeah, you think it's maybe a bit misunderstood with what they're trying to do with it and what people are anticipating they're going to get when they watch it. I mean, we'll probably talk about Constantine later because we both love Constantine. But um, there's rumours of Constantine going to Arrow, but what are you going to do with Hannibal Lecter? Yeah, it has to be. You, you're, he's you're going to show for, up in like, the Bates Motel or something. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're probably waiting on the, the likes of Netflix who seem to be kind of standard for. Well, they seem to be. They seem to have. Turned her nose up it though. Yeah, um, I, I don't know if as you see an option. Or yeah, I don't know if as you see if it's maybe just one of those, but it's maybe just too much of a niche. I, no, I think it's a rights issue to be honest, because yeah. what they're showing is what they've got the rights to. So they've done Hannibal, they've done Hannibal Rising. The storylines between behind those mm. and made them infinitely better. I might add. Yeah. <laughs> But they don't have the rights to Clary Starling, they don't have the rights to Silence of Lambs. So, so, they, like so they'd be kind of dancing there. around those kind of subjects without yeah. actually going into them. Fair enough. Yeah, so they kind unless, of leave a bit loose in content. Unless they went to a company that could afford to maybe yeah. loan those rights. Get which then you're talking Netflix, you're talking Amazon. Yeah. And Netflix have already said no, so you're kind of relying entirely on Amazon. Yeah. And it does kind of fit in with their aesthetic with the shows they're doing, I think. Mm. They, the, they've they're very niche shows that Amazon do is have you seen the trailer for this Hand of God with Ron Perlman in it it looks no. amazing but I do love a bit of Ron Perlman though. I can't see it being a network show yeah. ever I do like, <laughs> did like Bosch as well Bosch was really well done yeah 
Yeah. Shall we move on to our next show then? Yes. Yes. Um, so, as you've mentioned, uh, one that we've both seen, um, Constantine. Um, so that was um, Matt Ryan, who is a Welsh actor who played Constantine. And some of the shows in, in Wales too, which yeah. just cracks me up. Well, which is Old Welsh accent and demons. <laughs> it's like Doctor Who. It's awesome. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it is. I think a lot of people were put off from watching this show primarily because of the Keanu Reeves film, which wasn't great. Some of it was good. There was good work there. But if you over- want to hear an in-depth review of that, listen to my other podcast, Don't Jump the Shark. <laughs> a little plug there. Yeah. I'm just taking a fiver off you for that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so essentially the way that the, the story starts with this one is that there's been some kind of incident that's happened in Newcastle with Constantine that's kind of left him in a bit of a state and left him kind of doubting what he wants to do or how he's going to move forward with things. So we kind of find him in a, he's basically checked himself into an asylum. Um, they kind of essentially clear his head and kind of think about what he wants to do um, but it then cuts to a fantastic scene where he's he sees a is it lines of blood I can't remember mm-hmm. now um, and he kind of follows the trail up to a room where he finds a girl that's possessed and kind of drawing all over the walls and he kind of storms out he's like no 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 no, no I'm not getting involved with this I'm not dealing with this and kind of takes himself for a moment takes a deep breath and then just walks back and just kicks straight into what you'd expect him to be like, you know, starting to then call it the demon, and, and it's great, I love it. And I think it's because he comes across as such an idiot and such a non-likable character at times as well, where it's basically a case of, well, pff, tough, that's just who I am kind of thing. And it's great, I mean, that's the thing, he's, he's not trying to play the lovable cheeky chappy or anything like that, or trying to be... It'll be interesting to see how he fits into the Arrow world, because... Yeah. That is a world that's really changed over the years, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, because they're starting to kind of dip their toe into more of that side of things. We're bringing in Razzle Ghoul, um, but there's more of a mysticism about it. <laughs> um, so, you know, they kind of... Welsh villain Russell Ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Ghoul, who knew? Um but yeah, I mean, in, in terms of this, I mean, why they cancelled this show, I've got no idea. Because, I mean, one of the things I noticed when I was checking it as well, that it was actually it nominated. Was an Amazon show, though, was it? Like, Amazon or... No, it wasn't Amazon, streaming. it was, yeah. It was, they were streaming it, but I think it was held by another network. Um, I don't know if it was Watch or somebody else, I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, they cancelled it after one season, uh, which was criminal because the way they left it on a cliffhanger was just to kind of set it up right for season two. And I think it's probably the usual thing with its ratings, but I think they had it set at a 9 pm call time for it. And it was like, well, what's the point in putting something you'd expect in a high, decent volume of whenever he's out? Because, um, I mean, even for myself, you know, it's, people now don't watch shows when they're live, they record them yeah. and watch them back. Yeah. I think that's so, what, what studios have to realise now. So, really, you don't go to Watch or whoever it was for your show ratings, you go to Amazon and say how many people are actually taken off with it yeah like how many are streaming this or how many are yeah or even if you go down like the kind of um, Arrested Development route like how many people then go and pick up the DVDs and things like that yeah oh Dread being a prime example mm, yeah like from the film side of things um, but yeah I mean so the, the, the whole story that you've got with the show is basically him coming back into the free of dealing with demons and then discovering 
kind of other friends that he's lost in the past because of what's happened and trying to reconnect and trying to find his place in the world to try and kind of redeem what's happened and, and it kind of deals with that more in depth as you go in in terms of what actually happened in, in Newcastle and why his friends hate him so much and, and everything else and it's I mean it kind of goes a bit kind of monster of the week at times but it's still a very good show some really good effects and you know what as well at no point does Shia LaBeouf show up as a cheeky cabbie yay <laughs> And the so, cabbie that they do have has actually got some decent backstory and is actually quite a decent actor. It's not Shia LaBeouf. And it's not, <laughs> which is always a plus point. Any honourable mentions? Um, in terms of what, just the, the storyline or...? Uh, any other shows? Uh, yeah, um, the other show I was going to bring up, um, which is another one that I know you've seen as well, is um, Almost Human. Chemistry. Yes. Uh, I think Carol Urban is a man completely lacking in... Um, self-aggrandizing for yeah. an actor, like he's, he doesn't care about sharing the limelight. He doesn't care about other people getting good moments. No, I mean that's he, he doesn't. He doesn't come across as an egomaniac with that. He comes across as genuinely wanting to get involved in projects that he feels are going to be successful. Um, I mean, some of the some of the performances he put in, not just for this, but and for he's others. easy on the eye too. Let's be honest. We all Hands know that man. It's all good. <laughs> We're both heterosexual. We both agree on that. That's how handsome he is. Does it for us both? <laughs> but yeah, so for anybody that's not seen this one, um, this is a show set in the future where essentially it's getting too dangerous for police to deal with the uprising technology and the way that's been used by criminals. Wasn't that so, a J Jim? Sure. Um, yeah, I think he, Jabber, Abrams. I think Jabber. he was the um, the floor runner for that. I think I think he kind of kicked it off, and then it was then kind of like what he did with Lost. Yeah, that kind of thing, but much better. Where questions are answered. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever seen an episode where you find out why Jack got his tattoos? Those are some interesting answers. <laughs> I pray I never. I, I remember one of my ex girlfriends randomly having me watch an episode in like season three or four, and I had no idea what was going on. And I was even more confused by the end of it because there's just more questions. But yeah. That's kind of what people say about the finale as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, so yeah, so the way they kind of deal with this kind of upsurgence and kind of te- um, technical terrorism is that they have each cop paired up with like an Android partner mm-hmm. so that they're there as like a direct link to the station and for protection X, Y, and Z. Um what kind of happens to the main character Carl Orban who is John Kennex is that he gets involved in an incident at the start where he ends up being hospitalised and losing his leg and has to get a robotic leg and he kind of blames his android partner for what happened um, for kind of not helping him out and trying to kind of pull him out the situation so he's got a real distrust with kind of androids so they immediately try and pair them up with an android which he doesn't take kindly to uh, which you see in the scene um, so what ends up happening is he gets paired up with uh, an older model of Android which is one that got essentially decommissioned because they were classed as being unstable because they tried to give them human emotions and it then leads to really good chemistry between him and Dorian which is the Android partner that he gets which is just played by Michael Ely who puts some fantastic performance in absolutely outstanding yeah, he he is charismatic too, and yeah. I think that's what makes it work. Is 
he he is also ego free, mm. and he doesn't care about. It's all about the relationship between them. It's nothing about. I yeah. want this moment. Yeah, there's 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 no kind of upstaging or no kind of them looking to steal, as you say, steal the limelight from each other. It's, it just seems to be a very symbiotic relationship with they're doing the show. But yeah, it's um, for anybody that's not seen it, I would certainly suggest those two shows, and obviously you'd recommend Hannibal with that as well. Definitely. Yeah. Especially season two. And what I'd also recommend is if you're buying it on DVD, don't look at the season two cover until you've watched season one. <laughs> because it has a spoiler on it. Pick it up blind. <laughs> I'm going to ask you some questions now. This is replacing our Schwarzenegger game. Are we? Because I ran out of Streisand fans. Yeah, so um, are you going to tell them the name of the game? Um, what was it again? It's the game with no name. <laughs> of course, yes, yes. The game with no name. It's like the horse with no name from that song. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what it is now. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, you've got three chances to win this game. First okay. one for 15 points, then for 10 points, and then for 5 points. Okay. Depending on... You're going to get three character names. You've got to guess the actor. Right. And then you're going to get another three. Same actor. You've got to guess them. Another three. And it's going to be exceptionally hard. A little bit easier than quite easy. So I'm, I'm, so I'm going to get... So if we get it within the first three names, it's 15 points. Yes. Second block of three, ten. Third block, five. And if anyone wants to tell you in a few weeks how many points you have, then feel free. Yeah. Contact us. Do our work for us. <laughs> because we can't be bothered killing anymore. So first three round of names. Michael Dane... Jason Price, Lance Rockford. Okay. The third one rings true for me, but I can't think. Any guesses? No, no, no. I don't get fifteen points. Okay, these are all films I definitely know you've seen. Whether you then can tie it together to get ten points, let's find out. Pressure's on. Chris Kenner, Andrew Scott, Gunnar Jensen. Oh, damn it in hell. Um, Any guesses? Mm. Do recognise Gunnar Jensen, but it's really bugging me now. Damn you, with your IMDB. <laughs> um, go and read those out again. Chris Kenner, Andrew Scott, Gunnar Jensen. Gonna have to hurry you. Uh, I'm gonna have to. Nah, it's gonna bug me now. It's really gonna bug you now. Yeah, it's really. <laughs> Next three. Yeah. Frank Castle, Ivan uh, Drago, and He Man, which gives us. <sighs> yeah. Um. Okay, from Rocky says that. I can't believe it's the complete mental block there. <laughs> You've still given his name. <laughs> um. Gonna have to hurry you. <laughs> For God's sake. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I guess I get the points. Oh, it's Dolph Lundgren. Someone on the internet somewhere is cursing oh, your name. <laughs> somebody was cursing my name at the 10 point questions. Jeez. So Andrew Scott is Universal Soldier. Yes, yeah. And Gunnar yeah, Jensen is. Chris is um, Showdown in Little Tokyo. Oh, I wouldn't have got that. Yeah. Gunnar Jensen is the Expendables. Expendables. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And if you need me to tell you Ivan Drago 
um, Frank Castle and He-Man really that's pathetic <laughs> I'm so disappointed in myself that's just unreal well another chance to try next week I win Fair. I get 15 points maybe I don't know the Fair person that works out the points can yeah. if, if, some, if somebody wants to work out some kind of scoring <laughs> scale for us that would be much appreciated so speaking of Chuck Norris <laughs> cast back we both watched a film this time, didn't we? We did. Invasion USA. Yes. Invasion USA, starring Chuck Norris and B. Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> How much did the bad guy look like B. Arthur? It's weird. <laughs> it was actually quite scary. It was more scary the fact that Chuck Norris partly wrote the screenplay. It scared me. And his brother, uh, Aaron Norris, <laughs> which is an even stranger sounding action hero name isn't it so yeah this film had a lot of gunfire in it didn't it yeah and a lot of bazookas (laughs) I'm going to give you a wee bonus fact about this film see if you can work out the answer to this I'm going to give you four characters and ask you who killed the most people okay James Bond in Goldeneye okay V and V for Vendetta. Okay. King Leonidas in 300. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Blade and Blade Trinity. Or Matt Hunter, who is Chuck Norris in this film. Who do you think killed the most? Bond and Goldeneye? It's a trick question. They all killed the same. Uh. They are all joint 64th on the I've killed the most people in films <laughs> list. <laughs> Of which Topper Harley from Hot Shots Part 2 is very high on, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find clips for that earlier, actually. <laughs> for reasons I should discuss later. Also, the two characters from Versus kill 30 each, so they're both on it too. Yeah. I love Versus. Anyway, go on. I'm going to make you watch Versus. <laughs> as long as it's not pixels. <laughs> so, yeah, so we kind of kick off with an immigrant boat trying to make its way to USA. With cliched, when will we get to America? <laughs> just kind of reminds me of like American Tale. Um, I think this scene's here so that you then don't think that this film's got something against people from foreign lands. <laughs> Which is a complete lie. When you see that later. <laughs> it certainly does against Russians. <laughs> this B. Arthur Russian, isn't it? Yeah. Who is in the. Do you remember the Star Trek Next Generation episode, Gambit, where Picard's like. A funky jewel thief that's undercover and Riker goes and helps him. Oh, is that another episode when he starts picking up a pack of cards and starts throwing them at people and they explode? <laughs> Sorry. You're thinking of Gambit. I really am. I guarantee it. <laughs> I guarantee sure. But, yes. Okay, go on. Um, I'd like to see how you string this together <laughs> in a way that's not just describing people firing guns. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's all the people in the boat get shot. Oh, wait, it failed already. <laughs> uh, which turns out to be for some massive cocaine heist. Because of drugs. Yeah. Because drugs. Because drugs. Because <laughs> drugs. Um, and we then cut to. I really quickly skip over a lot of this because I was watching it just going, What? Um, going, Oh, I guess another person's been shot then. Yeah. Oh, two was, all right, we don't, couldn't find out who that was. Shot too quickly. Um, so we then go to the guy that was the buddy in um, Untouchables, which I did give a wee cheer at. You know, the guy with the white suit. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, Frank Nitty. Yeah, he gets thrown off the building. It's like, he was from a. Your friend so, died squealing like a stuck Irish pig. Yeah. So, yeah, he gets killed. He gets his knob shot off, which was interesting. <laughs> and he's. Hooker or whoever it is gets a straw through the nose, which was quite inventive. That was it was kind of Joker esque, you know, like the Heath Ledger kind of. I know a magic trick. <laughs> um, and then it's very much out the window you go. Yeah. <laughs> if things weren't bad enough, <laughs> I'm really sore from this straw. Oh dear, yeah. I'm being thrown out a window. <laughs> Bit dramatic. Because uh, this is the introduction to the bad guy, Mikael. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'd even bother trying to pick up any of the names. I could care less. Only because he actually does genuinely speak Russian at some points in this. Yeah, and the so subtitles come up. Yeah, and all these guys are always like Mikhail, 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 Zikhail. No, sorry, oh, Mikhail. Yeah. Cross that line. Um, yeah, and kind of sandwiched in between this, we get Chuck Norris wrestling alligators on his what can only be described as John Matrix farm yeah from Commando <laughs> except instead of a deer he's got an armadillo <laughs> yeah he's I got was... an armadillo down his trousers <laughs> yeah he did have a lot of love for that armadillo <laughs> he did yeah. and I like the film how the film actually wanted you to see that the armadillo made it through yeah because that was that was my first point of concern as well because like, <laughs> after we get the point where they come through and they he's been my favourite character so <laughs> yeah He's the only moment they can character development. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, because we do get the kind of airboats coming along where it kind of, it, it almost looks a bit Mad Max-esque the way they come across. It's like, yeah, we need to kill this guy. So, like, three of them turn up with bazookas to kill one guy. And there's like ten the of them there. This, this whole situation is the government go to Matt Hunter, who's Chuck Norris, yeah. and say to him, will you help us hunt down this Mikael guy? And Chuck Norris is like, I'm fine. Just leave me to live in this riverboat with my armadillo. <laughs> armadillo! I didn't realise how stupid that sounded until I said it out loud. Because <laughs> the visuals yes. weren't enough. But Mikael on the other side is saying, let's kill Chuck Norris's character because he doubtlessly want to hunt us down at some point. Yeah, because I'll have a flashback that didn't look like a flashback and totally confused <laughs> me for a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, did, 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 did he take up the offer and this just happened? Is this the end of the film? Oh, wait, no, it's a flashback. Because <laughs> there was no reference to it at all and then until he woke up and you were like, all right, I see, there's a flashback. All right. Excellent. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So, then lots of shooting happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, my notes just kind of just skim <laughs> large amounts just yeah because the plot just stops at this point <laughs> yeah the, the plot then seems to centre around um, fem- wants to kill some people yeah and then female journalist yeah the the photographer yeah who I was very confused because I thought she was the person that was killed with a straw because they, they are the exact same haircut because it's the 80s so they both have big bouffant perms <laughs> hairist but yeah um, I did know because you know it's bad when I've actually put a note in there saying 50 minutes in before Norris actually tries to do anything because <laughs> he, he does absolutely nothing until that point and then, then breaks out the double oozies and it's like yeah <laughs> the bit I really like is when the woman is being held hostage and he basically 
shoots the guy, I don't know, through her perm. <laughs> It's, it's like, hard to describe what he does. Is this the part? She's, she kind of grabs him and she's like, you could have killed me there. And you're kind of like, yeah, she's got oh, a point. We, <laughs> uh, like I said, we, we've, we've skipped over some some fantastic scenes to the point where essentially they stormed the beaches. Yes. With the man, which looked very reminiscent it's, to um, Saving Private Ryan-esque. It was, it's, a, it's a Cuban <laughs> Russian invasion, eh? Led by this Mika. Yeah, they, they never really try and explain which is probably just as well they never try and explain why they're shipping in large amounts of immigrants that don't get stopped by the coast guard or anybody else and then basically use the boats from World War 2 where they can just slap down and all run off the boats and straight into pre-prepared trucks that they've all got sitting waiting and they basically they take over a town yeah even though every time somebody goes into a truck it's like New York, uh, Detroit, Chicago, and yeah, they do one town. <laughs> one town. Did you run out of petrol? <laughs> we got law. Yeah, we've never been to America before. We got lost. <laughs> Pedro, you take Chicago. <laughs> There's only five million people that live there. <laughs> yeah. What happened? I ran out of money. <laughs> yeah, this this is really then come back to like sub stories of these characters later on in the years and find out what's happened to them. All, all they take over really is this small town in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Which little behind the scenes info for you. This was a real town that was getting knocked down, like a street that was getting knocked down. So that's why they're able to just destroy these houses <laughs> like they are. Excellent. Yeah, because you do get the really weird one where. <clears throat> They decide to because it's this is Christmas as well. Of course, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> where, where you say all the invasion movies, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best time of year to do it. That's when everybody lets their guard down. Ah, not uh, only they are invading America, but on bloody Christmas too. Not on Ruskies. <laughs> not on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> It's time to send them packing. Chuck Norris could play a young Santa, couldn't he? Like a killing <laughs> Santa. Uh, definitely not a killing joke. Um, but yeah, the the really weird one where they're just driving down a street and decide to just take out a bazooka and start blowing up houses. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite a lot of bazooka in this. Yeah, that's the scene. They have real love for bazooka. Um, and also, I don't know if you caught this, the point where the, um, they put the bomb into the they don't like their bombs as well there's a lot of bombs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they put a bomb into a shopping mall and some guy picks it up and starts chasing the guy saying you forgot your bag and then promptly gets shot because he's carrying the bomb and that's the most subtle way for him to deal with it um, which then turns into this big shooting match speaking um, of the untouchables yeah because that's the opening to the untouchables isn't it yeah <laughs> but um, which is later yeah, it's almost like Brian De Palma was watching Invasion USA and it's like I like that actor I like that moment <laughs> basically the same movie yeah, but made it so much better and, and but they're invading hordes from other countries um, invading you, what sorry countries no no you said invading hordes 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 words in my mouth there <laughs> Uh, but yeah I don't know if you caught the part as well where they took a hostage but not only did they take a hostage but what they did was basically dangle her out the end of the car by the window so they basically had a hold of her against the door while he was driving and 
it's not as if he, he kind of drove down the street and let her go. They were having a car chase, still holding on to her while she's outside the car. And I'm so confused as to why. I might as well do my calisthenics while yeah. I'm here. Yeah. I'm not lifted in a while. <laughs> Let's see how long I can hold her before I've got to drop her. Uh, Any kind of highlights for you in this film then? Um, the final fight is... <laughs> yes. Yeah. I did like the other bomb insanely great. I did like the other bomb sequences. I, I kind of had to watch the end of this at my work on my lunch hour, um, and I was laughing that much that people had to come across and ask what I was doing um, <laughs> because um, there's a point where they try and blow up a church because what ends up happening is they put a curfew in place um, because I say they've overrun this town, so they decide curfew martial law that's the way forward blowing up a church at Christmas, dirty ruskies, swines. <laughs> So yeah, so the um, the lady charges and go to blow up the bomb and go to set it and then do the cliched bad guy, ooh, it's not working. So you then get a pan shot of Chuck Norris on the roof holding said bomb. He then throws the bomb down to them and then proceeds to then reconnect the wires so the bomb blows up and takes them out. Um, which was then swiftly followed by the bomb on the school bus. <laughs> which was... Just for a sense of drama, we have you get the school bus and loads of kids getting packed in so you know something's going to happen. And the guy drives past in the car and sticks a bomb with a timer on the side of the school bus, which is then intercepted by Chuck Norris with seconds to go. And he then chases back the car, just with enough time to throw an equipment before he throws it into the front of the car and the car explodes. Go, Chuck. Director of this film? A what? Joseph Zito. Mm-hmm. Also did Friday the 13th Part 4, which is about Macquarie Feldman in it. Oh, dear. <laughs> I did see a sequence of Corey Feldman's band last night as well when he starts Michael Jackson moonwalking across the stage. It was pretty horrendous. They're not very good, are they? They're really not. <laughs> what do you think of Invasion USA then? It, the first part of it was exceptionally dull. It was just, it just kind of felt, even by the numbers, it was dull. I think it's a mid to early 80s action film, so you've got to, you've got to respect that. Yeah. Because it needs to pad out that two hours running time, which that, has to be for some bizarre reason. Yeah, and yeah, I was very confused by the running time because normally films that either kind of an hour and twenty minutes, hour and thirty. <laughs> Not a Chuck Norris one though. No, like, no, no, look through every Chuck Norris film; they're all two hours plus. We need we need more bazooka time. <laughs> yeah, because by God, there's a lot of bazooka action. <laughs> um, oh, my bazookas run out of rockets. Pick up two Uzis at once. Yeah, did you notice the, the the scene as well where you had like the, the the kind of the camera just stopped like the point where he swaps and takes the Uzis off where he runs out of ammo, and the camera just stays fixed on the Uzis for a good like ten seconds before he changes weapon. I'm like, is this an emotional scene? Is this as like detaching himself from the Uzis? Just like it's time to move on, you know? Like before he picks up the biggest ass shotgun you've ever seen, and he blows. Did you see? Because I was actually trying to find the sequence from um, we were talking earlier about um, Hot Shots Part Two. You know, the, I thought, hell have I gone? Because <laughs> it was just that point where he's just walking through. There's two guys behind walls, like solid walls, and he promptly just shoots through the walls. And the camera pans to see the size of the holes. You're like, those holes are bigger than you. And it's like, War, it's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it basically blows a hole in the side of this building with the shotgun. And it's like, what? What the is happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and strangely for a Chuck Norris film, there was only really one fight sequence. Hmm. I think he was trying to broaden his range at this point yeah. in his career. <laughs> broaden his range to bazookas and Uzis. 
I want to make a film where I'm holding two guns slightly apart on the cover. Yeah. Which seems to be his thing. And you notice that in a lot of his cover, he's holding guns, not putting them ahead, just slightly askew with Casual. the <laughs> Almost like, I don't even have to aim these and I'm going to be killing people. Yeah, I'm going to shoot in the wrong direction and I'm still going to kill somebody. Pass me the bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the biggest cop out for a fight ever. So it's I like a, this a, film. Sta- a standoff with a bazooka each. I like this film. Uh, the last half an hour, forty minutes was quite entertaining. And I thought it was just if you're going to make a film crap at one point and good at another point, you wanted to be that hard. Yeah. You want to remember the good bits. <laughs> True enough. So you want to know the answer to the question from earlier? Uh, yes. So, of the 146 kills in Invasion USA, how many were killed by Matt Hunter? 30, 35, 75. I would say 30. You are correct. Oh, well done. Because despite the fact that he does shoot anything that moves, he doesn't really kill many people. Yes. And there's even a point in the, in the time where they arrest him and say, oh, this guy's killed 10 people. It's like, we're now 20 minutes into the film and he's only killed 10 people. What's going on? <laughs> he makes up for it, don't worry. Oh, he does. <laughs> yeah. Like, is that the time? <laughs> Quick cameo bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so next time, Ant Man. Yes, Ant Man. Sharknado. Yes, it's quite a combination. <laughs> quite a double bill. Okay, we'll see you later. See ya.